Our scripture text this morning comes from Nehemiah chapter 8. And we will be looking at verses 1 through 3, 5 and 6, and 8 and 10. Basically, we'll skip all the verses that have a lot of long Hebraic names in them. So Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Down to verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. The main character in our text this morning is Ezra. But Ezra is really part of a tag team, part of a dynamic duo of sorts. His comrade in arms is a man named Nehemiah. They've got different skills, like we talked about last week, the different gifts we bring to the table. And they each do what they're called to. And because of it, some really amazing things happen. But before we can see why it's so amazing, we need to set the scene here a little bit. We talked before about how Israel suffered in exile. A foreign nation, Babylon, swept in and took them over, partially because they were in the way and partially for their gold and wealth. Babylon takes them over and drags all of Israel's leaders away into slavery in Babylon. And while they're at it, they destroy the Israelites' temple, which is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. You see, the temple was considered God's house, and the Babylonians came in and destroyed God's house. The king of Babylon did not like Israel, So God used him to punish the Israelites for their disobedience. The Israelites are put in chains and they're dragged away and they're in exile for quite a while, years of slavery. And people think that the God of Israel was defeated. People think that their God, our God, was not powerful enough to protect them. But then another nation comes through Persia, and Persia takes over Babylon, and something surprising happens. God starts stirring in the heart of the king of Persia. 
That's how the Bible words it. God begins stirring in his heart. Something starts moving, nagging at his brain and tugging at his emotions. God stirs in the heart of this king of Persia. And the king of Persia decides to send the Israelites back home. And while God is stirring in the king's heart, he's also stirring in the hearts of some of the Israelites. He starts filling them with the longing to go home. He starts filling their dreams with a rebuilt temple. God starts stirring all these hearts because God has a plan. God wants to rebuild his temple in Jerusalem so that people, his people, will know that he is still faithful. He wants people to rebuild the temple so people will know that the God of Israel was not defeated by Babylon. The God of Israel has never been defeated. So he starts stirring, stirring in the heart of the king, so the king will send the people home, and stirring in the hearts of his people, moving in their hearts so that their dreams and they will be ready and eager to rebuild the temple. But God knows something important. Funny thing, but buildings don't just appear out of thin air. You don't just snap your fingers and voila, a temple is now there. No, it doesn't quite go that way. You have to buy stone, you need to buy the lumber, you have to buy the materials, you pay the craftsmen, and you pay the carpenters. God knows that his people will need money to build this temple. So, God continues stirring, and he begins to stir in the hearts of the neighbors. He stirs in their hearts, reminds them of what kind and faithful neighbors the Israelites have been, and God gives them this vision to give the Israelites money. I'm really not making this up. As the Israelites are packing up everything that they have to return home, their neighbors start giving them money. Because God has a vision. So he's been stirring in people's hearts, the heart of the king, the hearts of his people, and the hearts of their neighbors. God is working all of these things so that his people can gather in his temple and testify to how faithful their God is. God still does this. God has a vision. And he starts stirring in people's hearts so that they'll do something about it. God starts pulling together the necessary people and the necessary resources so that something amazing can happen, even in this church. If you go to church here and don't believe me, you're crazy. It happens here in some really amazing ways. Several months ago, a woman walked into our church needing financial help with her bills. I listened to her story And it touched me. Touched me so much that I wrote her name and phone number down and put it on my desk so I wouldn't forget about her. A couple weeks later, I heard from someone about a family that needed help. This person knew her amazing son and had met the hardworking and faithful mother. A week later, I heard about this family that the deacons were reviewing and how it was a special case. This woman couldn't work because she had to have surgery, but if we could keep her head above water, well then, she'd be fine. Do you want to guess? Same woman. God was stirring. 
stirring in our hearts, pointing us toward her. So we came to the Sunday school classes and asked for your help to support her. And God must have been stirring in your hearts too because we raised $2,000. Two weeks ago, I prayed this woman into surgery and God has kept her safe. She is now recovering. Her power is still on. Her water is still running. God was watching over her. And this church was faithful to listen to God stirring in our hearts. Like I said, if you go to this church and don't believe that God stirs in hearts because he has plans, you're crazy. We've just approved a new building project here at the church. Our session and a building committee has been pondering this for quite some time. And God has been stirring in their hearts that we need this space. So we're going to build a building where the Campbell House used to be and move the offices over there. And when we do, we're going to take a long, hard look at this building and what it can be, what it could look like. These rooms can provide Sunday school classrooms to people who can't make it up the steps in the Christian education building. And the space maybe could be used to expand the choir room. Maybe, as a side note, God is stirring your heart to be a part of the choir. Let me make an important note on that. Being afraid of something doesn't mean God isn't stirring. Should I say that again? Being afraid of something doesn't mean that God isn't stirring. So maybe God is stirring you to join our choir's amazing tradition of faithful worship. You see, this building could be all that. But then start thinking crazy. We have artists out here whose paintings sit in their homes and no one ever sees them. What if we had a gallery? where we could show up people's God-given creativity? Or let me ask you this, what does a prayer room look like? A room dedicated to helping people pray? I don't know, but we could figure out together. God is stirring, God is moving, and if we listen, I promise you this, God does not have dead-end plans. God doesn't even have mediocre plans. God's plans bring life. They reveal goodness, they inspire faithfulness, and they proclaim truth. So back to our story. God starts stirring in people's hearts the heart of the king, the hearts of the Israelites, and the hearts of their neighbors, because God has a plan to rebuild his temple. And the king sends a man to oversee this project. The man's name is Ezra, and Ezra has a very special job. Ezra is an expert in the law, and his job is very simply to keep people's focus on God. Nehemiah, part two of this tag team, arrives, and his job is to build the temple. He's the governor, he's an organizer, he's a delegator, he knows who to hire, how much to pay, and what order to do everything in. And he knocks it out, and the temple is finished. The temple is amazing. When it's finished, people start shouting in joy. They're so excited that they start yelling. But some of those people, those old enough to have seen the last temple, they start weeping. They start crying, overcome by emotion. They never thought they'd see God's temple again. But God was faithful to provide, and here against all odds, here was God's temple made new. So the sounds of weeping and the sounds of shouting for joy are here side by side. 
And that feels like the end of the story. It feels like the powerful conclusion. The temple has been built and it looks beautiful. The people weep and they shout. But it's not the end. If anything, it's just the beginning because then the people call Ezra to come and read the word of God. Notice that. The people call on Ezra to come and read the word of God. Ezra did not gather the people. The people called on him. Because a building without people gathered around the word of God is not a testimony. It is a building. A building is a space created for something to happen in. Restaurants need people to eat in them. Schools need students. Pools need people swimming. Hospitals need nurses and doctors and people that are sick. Buildings need people gathered together or they're just buildings. God had stirred the hearts, the hearts of a king, the heart of his people, the hearts of their neighbors, so there would be a space dedicated to worshiping and honoring God. If the space is not built and the people don't gather around it to hear the word of God, then the building is not a temple. It is not a testimony to the nations about God's faithfulness and power. In fact, what it is, is false advertisement, because it's just a building. So the people gather together and they call Ezra to come and read the law. And he comes and he brings the book of the law, the first five books of the Bible called the Torah. And he brings teachers and together they read the law to the people and they teach it, they explain it. They open up every single verse and show how rich it is. They show the beauty of God's dream for the world. They show how the word of God reveals God's glory and goodness and holiness. So the people weep and repent at how they have fallen short and they rejoice at God's goodness. The people build this building dedicated to God and then they testify to the truth of God by gathering together and calling Ezra to teach them about the law. As a church, there are things that we do. Our deacon ministry, room in the inn, youth group, Sunday school, Soon we'll begin a children's ministry. We build buildings so we can more faithfully do what God calls us to. But here's the thing. If we as a church don't gather around these activities, they are not a testimony to God's power. If we don't gather around them and proclaim the word of God, they are false advertisement. A building without people gathered around the word of God is not a testimony. It's a building. A program without people gathered around the word of God is not a testimony. It's a program. The testimony is when we use our buildings, our programs, our very lives to proclaim the word of God. Now Ezra is the main character of this chapter, and he does a lot of good. But please notice that Ezra does not build the temple. Ezra does not repent for the people. Ezra does not rejoice for them. Because Ezra having a great relationship with God doesn't benefit the people. The thing that the people need to know is God in their own lives. They don't need Ezra to do it for them. Ezra leads the people so they can live rightly with God. He advises them, but they build the temple with Nehemiah's guidance. 
the people of God living faithful lives in God's temple, that's a testimony to the world. Some pastors want to be their church's testimony. They want to be the all-star. They want to be the big deal. I'm not the big deal. Thanks be to God. I'm not the perfect one. Thanks be to God. Brian and I are here only to help this church live out and proclaim the good news in everything we build and in everything we do. We are here to help this church do that. But you all have testimonies, which is really good for you because getting to visit people, getting to pray, getting to serve, that's the good part of our faith. That's where the reward is. And that's why we do it together. Our secondary reading this morning was from 1 Peter, a text that four of our youth learned about last week on a youth retreat. They learned about how God made Christ the cornerstone, the most important stone in building a building. But we are the living stones that Christ uses to build his temple. The speaker at this youth retreat used this great image to explain why. He asked if anyone ever played with Lego. Not Legos, just one Lego. Imagine that. Pick it up and put it down and pick it back up and put it back down. That's about all you can do with one Lego. Ezra knew that playing Lego is boring. You know that playing Lego is boring. But when you have a whole bin of Legos, well, using Legos together, people can build some really amazing things. The story of Ezra and Nehemiah is a fascinating one because it's actually a story about the people of God. God starts stirring. He stirs in people's hearts and moves a king to send Israel home. He moves his people to build a temple. He moves the neighbors to give them gifts and money. God stirs in people's hearts so that people can testify to him and bring more people to believe in him. God is stirring in this place. He has stirred before. And the church listened. And he is stirring still. If we will gather around these ministries, if we will give them our time, our energy, our money, I am convicted that they will be a powerful testimony to our God. We will gather in our buildings to teach Christian education, to worship, to plan our church's future, to give food to the needy and counsel to people in need. But we is the key word there. We will gather. You are the reason God doesn't play Lego. He plays Legos. And that means you are necessary. So if you're too old for youth group, you're the right age to mentor. If you're too young for prime timers, you're the right age to help. If you can't sing, choir is a perfect place to learn how. If you don't need a homeless shelter, you're in the right situation to serve at one. This is what church looks like. We gather together wherever God is stirring us to go, and we proclaim the good news. It's hard work building a temple. It's even harder work because we are called to be living temples, a testimony to God with our very lives. And as you know, temples aren't built overnight. 
our living temples aren't either. And that's precisely why we are called to gather together again and again in ministries and sanctuaries and classrooms for years, sometimes even with people we don't like. But building a temple, it takes time and it takes dedication, which is why it's really easy to resist God's stirrings. We're right to be afraid of where God might be leading. He did, after all, lead Israel across the desert and had them build a massive temple. But when they saw it, when they saw it, they were so glad that they wept and shouted for joy. And when they read God's word together, that temple became more than a temple. It became a testimony. God may be stirring in you. You can be afraid because hard work is ahead. But hear these words from the very book of Nehemiah. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hard work may be ahead, but so is rejoicing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we see that we are all necessary to this building of your living temple. We see how necessary it is to gather around your word and to proclaim it, that that would make our buildings and our programs and our ministries into a testimony for this community and for this world. Stir in our hearts and give us the ears to listen. Stir in our hearts and give us the hands and feet to act on all of those stirrings. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.